Welcome into a brand new episode of the Whole Story Podcast. On today's episode, guest network in-studio host and analyst for the New York Yankees, Jack Curry. Jack, thanks so much for taking the time to join the Whole Story Podcast today. How are you holding up just through this unprecedented time? Hey, Alex. It's always great to talk baseball with you. It's great to join you. Thanks for asking. My wife and I are doing pretty well. I live in northern New Jersey, and I have to be honest with you, since I got back from spring training in mid-March, March 15th, I have been to two stores. I've been to a supermarket once and the post office once. Other than that, getting groceries delivered. Uh, some friends have been helpful in, in helping us with groceries. My wife has been to the store a couple times, but just trying to follow all the rules. Just, just stay home, stay safe, trying to preach positivity. As you said, this is unprecedented. We don't know how you're supposed to react during these types of situations, but just trying to be there for family and friends. And as I said, I'm a positive person. So just trying to remind people that there, there is a light at the end of this tunnel. It's just been a long road and will be a long road to get there. Mm -hmm. Now, throughout this whole time, I know you on the Yes Network and all of your coworkers have been doing these Yes, We Are Here campaigns. And you have been just killing it with the amount of guests. And of course, Dr. Fauci was one of yours. You just did one with Don Mattingly and a few others. What is this like for you? Because you get to go back to your roots a little bit here. Go back to what you love most is telling stories. And this is a fun way to do it just through this unprecedented time for you to still you know, be able to tell people stories, especially right now. You said it well, Alex. We have a lot of smart and resourceful people at Yes. And our bosses understood that even with no games, people are going to be looking to us for content. So I think the Yes, We're Here model has been terrific. It gives us a great opportunity to reach out to current former Yankees mm -hmm. or get somebody like a Dr. Fauci, the leading infectious disease expert in the country ask them some science questions as I did, ask them where we are with the virus, but then talk some baseball with him. He grew up as a Yankee fan. Sure. He's, a, he's a Nationals fan now because he's been in D.C. for so long. But you mentioned Mattingly. I've interviewed Bernie Williams, Mariano Rivera, Jorge Posada, Andy Pettit, Cecil Fielder, uh, Jim Abbott. I'm probably forgetting a couple of other guys, but I have enjoyed that process because – I'm trying to entertain. I'm trying to educate. I'm trying to provide content. And it's been a walk down memory lane for me. I've uh, worked with a couple of different producers, but one of our producers, Emily Coulter, said to me recently, I can tell how excited you are getting for these interviews because these are guys you covered 25, sometimes 30 years ago. And I said, you're, you're absolutely right. I prepare for every interview, Alex, and I've got, I don't have it. Of course, I'm reaching for a prop and I don't have it, but Usually I've got a sheet that's got questions printed out. I want to be totally prepared. I don't really have to prepare for these interviews. I am. I prepared for a Don Mattingly interview, even though I've known him since 1990. But it's been fun to be able to do that. And the reaction has been nice, Alex, because we can't watch news channels 24-7. At least I can't. I want to get the update. I want to know what's going on in the world. But we're allowed to smile during this period, too. And I think with some of these interviews, we've helped people smile. Now, this podcast is really generated to go back and look at your career journey. And can you take me back to when you started your own newspaper for your elementary school? And now what you're doing still today, still generating 
news stories, telling people stories? Did you ever think that you would be talking to one of the most interesting people that everyone can go to throughout a pandemic like Dr. Fauci when you started your own uh, newspaper, really site and outlet for your own school when you first started out? I don't know if you think that far ahead, Alex, but I appreciate you referencing that. And yes, I did. In the seventh grade, I went to a teacher and said, how come we don't have an elementary school newspaper? And fortunately, he said, do you want to start one? And I give that teacher a lot of credit because that helped build up a side of me that I was able to help produce this newspaper. People read my, and by the way, it was a sheet of paper like this. That's, that's what our newspaper was. But when people read your articles, or listen to your podcast as they are now, and then you get reaction from it. I don't care if you're 13 as I was, or you're 40 or 50 or 60, people like to hear feedback. So that developed my love for sports journalism right then and there. And as far as the part of your question of whether or not I thought years in advance would I be interviewing some, of, some people who are as well known as anyone in the world. My parents, even though I, I came from a Jersey city and I, my, New Jersey and my block was where everything happened and I thought that's where the whole world revolved around. My parents gave me the belief that you should dream big and that you should chase down dreams and there are things that you can do and that there was a lot of life that existed beyond my little block and I give them a lot of credit for just allowing me to believe there, there's a lot of world and a lot of life out there for you to investigate and chase down and as a reporter what do you want to do? You, your curiosity is going to make you want to track down all those stories. And then, of course, in college, you spent three summers with the Jersey Journal. You know, well, and so you've always had a love for journalism, telling, you know, keeping the facts and truth in the media. How has that love of just telling people the news, but also finding interesting ways to tell it kind of evolved for you throughout your entire career? I know, Alex, you and I have had conversations about this business and how do you advance in this business. And one thing that I will say about interning at a small newspaper like the Jersey Journal, everyone wants the marquee internship. Yes Network, ESPN, New York Times. Those three summers at that newspaper taught me so much about journalism, Alex, because I was forced to do everything. I was covering a high school game at four o'clock and maybe there was a little league game under the lights at seven o'clock. And I probably covered a hundred little league games a summer. Well, guess what? Covering a little league game is not any different from covering a Yankee game. In fact, in many ways, it's probably more difficult because you're trying to get something salient out of a 12 year old kid who's probably wondering if his, if mom has the Gatorade bottle or is the hot dog stand, is there a long line? So I always tell aspiring journalists, yes, you want to you reach for the big internships, you want to have an impact, but don't sleep on the fact that you could go to a smaller place, learn a lot more, and, and, and pro, push your career even more up the road than you would have believed. So I, I loved working there. The fact that I grew up in that city, I knew so many people, there, there was a comfort zone there. And, and a quick funny story, when I eventually got, I went from the Jersey Journal Graduated college, went to the Star-Ledger for a year, then got hired by the New York Times. The day I told my mother that I got hired at the New York Times, her, her reaction was kind of muted. I said, Mom, it's the New York Times. And she said, uh, I missed the days where you were at the Jersey Journal. I knew all those people that you were writing about. So you talk about somebody who was 
rooted in her community that that was my mom mm -hmm. how important was it for you to be well diverse in every capacity and did you realize when you got to the yes network i'm sure you did some tv appearances throughout your entire career but what you do with the yes network now it's every single day you're a tv analyst how important was your writing skills help you transition to being on tv every day Alex, that's a great question. And what I would say to you, two things. When I was at Fordham, I worked for the school newspaper and I worked for the school radio station. And as graduation approached, I sent out resumes to newspapers, magazines, radio stations, TV stations, because it was more jobs. Mm -hmm. I always thought I was a better writer. I thought I was going to end up on the print side, but I was going to take the best job that I could get. And it ended up being with the Star Ledger, which is the largest paper in New Jersey. I think what has helped me at YES is early on in my career, as you said, if you're the beat writer for the New York Times, you're going to be asked to do television appearances. And during one of those television appearances, I got so nervous and so flustered that I thought it was a poor performance. And from that moment on, I played a little game with myself. I said, my full-time job is at the New York Times, uh, MSG or, or NBC or CBS or whoever it was, they're asking you to be on their show. You can't lose your job. No matter how bad you are or how good you are, you're just doing them a favor. And I'm telling you, Alex, a, a light switched in my head where I became so calm on a TV studio set, I wasn't worried about it. And that passed on to when I got hired at Yes. I'm not going to lie to you, of course. Early on at Yes, newspaper guy moving over to sit next to Bob Lorenz. Were there some butterflies? There absolutely were. But I've never felt once that red light on the camera turns on that I'm going to not know what to say, that I'm going to not be prepared, because I know you and I have talked about this. The preparation is what matters. I probably throw away 90% of the stuff that I prepare for the pregame show, but having it there is like Linus having his blanket. There's some security in that. You mentioned Bob Lorenz. What is it like working with everyone with the Yes Network? It seems like, especially now, even though you haven't seen each other since, what, spring training, right? So you're doing all of this without seeing them for almost over two months now. We had a Yes Network meeting on March 12th in Tampa. And as our meeting was evolving, that's when baseball announced spring training was going to be postponed. So we were in the middle of this meeting to prepare for a season that now we didn't know when it was going to start. So to your point, right, I've communicated with a lot of my Yes Network colleagues via Zoom, phone calls, text. But Bob Lorenz is a joy to work with. I've said this on other interviews, and he's a humble guy, so he probably doesn't love that I say this. He's as selfless as any person that I've ever worked with. I've never had someone finish an assignment, whether it was newspapers or now TV, and hope that you did better than they did. Bob will say to me, how'd you like that show? Anything you'd want to change? You did great. Any way I could lead you to that CC slider package? So phenomenal guy to work with. Always feel comfortable with him on the set. And I need to also mention our producer, Jared Boschnack, who I also work with on a day-to-day -day basis. And again, he's the person who is talking in your ear. And if someone's talking in your ear, there has to be trust. There has to be confidence that whatever they're telling you, believe. There have been times, Alex, when I will be on the set, and we, we have our phones there, but, I mean, I don't have it where I'm checking Twitter if I'm talking about a highlight, and he might say in our ear, Yankees just put judge on 15-day disabled list. When you finish your point, 
And he'll say it quicker. Judge on 15-day DL, finish point. Bob needs to talk. And then Bob – so already it's like, okay, you got to – and I don't know how much you've experienced that yet in your young career, but someone talking in your ear, that's an adjustment. That's something you really have to get used to. Yeah, it hasn't happened too much yet, but I've been definitely preparing myself for that day. When you start at a new job, let's say, take me back to 2010 when you started with the Yes Network, what were you looking for most from your coworkers and people on the set? What did you look for most? Is it that trust or was it something more? It's definitely trust. It's definitely building those relationships. I feel almost a little corny saying this, but I've spoken to major league players who will say, you, you could be an eight-time all-star and you get traded. And when you walk into that new clubhouse, there's a feeling of, well, I gotta prove myself a little bit here. I kind of put the onus on me at yes, Alex. I wanted people to know they could trust me. I wanted people to know they could have confidence in me, that Jack is going to be prepared. If there's a story that needs to be chased down, or if we need someone to confirm a story that is happening, Jack's somebody we could go to. And I, I really put the onus on me as being the guy who had to fit in because I was the new guy. And yes is filled with a lot of talented people who, who make that show go, the pregame and the postgame. You see Bob and I, and then we'll be joined by John Flaherty in certain situations. We'll be joined by Buck Showalter, as we were for the postseason. Bob and I are the faces of that show, but so many people behind the scenes doing research, doing graphics, making sure that everything runs smoothly from the production side. The director. It, it all works out very smoothly. So rather than me kind of looking for what I could get from them, I just wanted to show them that, hey, I know this train is moving 100 miles an hour. I'm ready to jump on board and go 100 miles an hour with you guys, too. Jack, do you miss writing every single day? <laughs> That's a great question, Alex. And I think when I first made the move to yes, I thought that was going to be an issue. I loved being in the press box. I loved being on deadline and having to craft a story of 800 or 900 words who knows? Sometimes you might have 15 or 20 minutes to do that. Obviously, you're, you're writing from the bottom. I'm not sure how many folks understand this, but as you're covering a game, you're kind of writing the middle, the bottom, and then you're, you're, you're saving your time for the top, the lead, when, when you finally get a result. I thought I would miss it more than I did. I've replaced it with the writing that I do for the show, and I said to you, some of it ever, never makes the air. It might just be, oh, I do have some papers over here. It might just be me taking a bunch of notes like this. This was preparation for a little show we did yesterday on the Subway series. So that's where my writing comes in. And then I got one more prop for you, Alex. When I really feel like I want to write, maybe I'll write a book with David Cohn. So I guess I thought I'd miss it more than I did. The adrenaline rush now is the post-game starts. And from the moment Michael K signs off, the first people you hear talking about that result are Bob and I. And I take that responsibility very seriously because I know how passionate Yankee fans are. I want to make sure that I'm prepared, that what I said or say makes sense, and that I'm telling them what I know. And if I don't know something, I'm not embarrassed or ashamed to say, I don't really know. Let's hear what Aaron Boone has to say about that decision. You know, you mentioned your book, and I know you've said in the past, before you wrote the book, that one of your most favorite players you just love talking to was David Cohn. What was it like for you to just begin that journey through writing that book and then also the after, once you publish it? Kind of walk me through, what was that experience like for you? 
I always loved covering David because of what you just said, Alex. He is a player who I thought, and to this day I still think, understands journalism better than anyone who dresses in a clubhouse. He wanted to be a sports writer as a kid if the baseball thing didn't work out. I'd say the baseball thing worked out pretty well. So he would listen to your question, understand the direction you were going. And I really think David tried to go out of his way to help writers. So obviously I covered him in his career. We worked together at Yes. And when I approached him about this book, I said, I've always felt that your pitching knowledge is at a PhD level. And I'd like to be able to take your knowledge, tell some pitching stories, and put a book together. And it, I, that was my pitch. It was about a two-minute pitch. And David was sipping on a cup of coffee in the back of Yankee Stadium press box. And he said, okay, let's do it. And then that started this beautiful journey. It took a little longer than we wanted because we hit a couple of speed bumps along the way. But this fantastic journey of meeting with a friend, talking, pitching, something that I love to do getting his wisdom on certain things. And David has said this in interviews. It started out as a pitching journey, but there became a lot of personal stories that he wanted to share in this book. So it's a pitching journey that includes a lot of personal stories as well about his dad and his family and things that he encountered. So it, it was a lot of fun to do. What has been kind of the hallmark that you look back when, especially right now, I know I've been looking back at last summer uh, calling baseball games you know that was one of my favorite moments in my early career what do you look back to and think about that puts a smile on your face today Alex I'm a kid who grew up in a I'll say a blue collar family my mom was a waitress my dad was a truck driver and a mechanic loving sports when I woke up on a summer morning it was how many hours of that day can my friends and I play wiffle ball, stick ball, maybe take a break to pop into somebody's swimming pool, right back to playing wiffle ball and stick ball. And for me to be able to take that love of sports and principally baseball, because it really was always baseball number one with me, and to have turned it into a career where every day I'm excited to go to work, every day it's a new challenge. And we all hope that at some point in our life, we get to our dream job. And I'm not saying this to be haughty. I'm saying this to say that I'm blessed. I've had two dream jobs. I, I was a baseball writer for the New York Times, and now I'm a baseball announcer for the Yes Network. Those are, are premium jobs. Those are difficult jobs to get. And I feel very blessed that the path that I took allowed me to make stops at both of those places. So I think I blessed is the word that, that I would latch on to, that I've been able to take my love of baseball and have a career that I'm proud of from it. Jack, this is my favorite part of the show. It's a fast five quick round. It's five quick questions and you have however long to take to answer them. If you want to elaborate on one, you certainly can. Are you ready? Well, wait, you say it's a quick round, Alex, but now you're telling me I can elaborate. So, so I, get to get, I get to editorialize if I want. Yes. <laughs> I'm ready. What is one thing that, People think you are, but you are not. Ooh, that's a good question. What is one thing that people think you are, but you are not? Well, I think people who see me doing the pregame and the postgame, because I am very prepared and I'm very serious about what I do, I think I come across as really serious on the air. We'll have fun once in a while, but I do believe that we're there to dispense information. So I don't – I look at an NFL Sunday – 
pregame show, and I'm not going to specify which one, but sometimes I think those turn into laugh riots. And I'm not a big fan of that. I, I want to give information. I want to dispense information. So I think people who see me on the air would probably not know that I'm, I'm pretty funny. I play a lot of practical jokes. I play a lot of pranks. And if you hold some members of the New York media and ask them about who, who has played the last prank or practical joke on you, I would guarantee you I'd be very high on their list. What is one song that, if you listen to, brings you back to your childhood? It would be anything by Bruce Springsteen off the Darkness on the Edge of Town album. I grew up with a brother a couple of years older than me whose music's influences influenced me. And he would bring home albums, and he was always a step ahead of me, obviously. And I remember hearing this Darkness on the Edge of Town album, and I was just, I was just blown away. So anytime I hear any song from that album, I'm back to being a teenager, sharing a room with my brother and saying, who's this guy? And then if you're from New Jersey, you find out very quickly who Bruce Springsteen is. What would be your go-to sports movie? I'm a, I'm a sucker for Field of Dreams. I, I, I love that movie. I, I just love the whole image and the vision of family and a father and son playing catch. And I love how the Kevin Costner character is he just wants baseball. He just, he just wants that, that romance and that beauty that, that baseball brings to you. So that, that's the one that I would choose, Alex. Going off Field of Dreams, who is your biggest hero? My biggest hero would be my mother. I mean, if you're asking me for biggest hero on a sports field, there are a lot of players that I liked and that I, I admired. And even as a kid, I probably idolized. But I'm an older person now. I understand what hero means. And this time with coronavirus, I think we all understand what hero means, the people working on the front lines. So my hero in my life was my mom because her guidance, her spirituality, her selflessness, those traits that she had, I've tried to emulate. And I've always told people, if, if you like anything about me, it's probably because my mother passed that on to me. And then the last one for the Fast Five, if you could write a title on your own career, what would you name it? Wow. That's, that's a, these are really good questions, Alex. This one is going to stump me. A title on my own career. Uh, I think you, 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 I'm going to go back to a word that, um, that I said earlier. And it's probably, I'm going um, to steal a song title. Damian Marley and Nas put together an album. So it was hip-hop and reggae. And they had a song called Count Your Blessings. I think my title would be Counting My Blessings. I think I would be very thankful, and I am very thankful and very grateful that I've been able to do a lot of the things that I've been able to do. Mm -hmm. Now, Jack, my last question for you on this podcast is one I always like to ask someone that has a passion for baseball. If a 14-year-old kid walked up to you right now and they told you that they don't understand the game of baseball, and it's boring to them, and they're never going to watch it, what would you say to them? I would say to them, I feel a little sorry for you, but can we sit down and have a conversation? And then I would try and get the 14-year-old to understand some of the nuances of baseball and how there is a slow heartbeat to baseball, but that's the beauty of baseball. I'm not sure I would succeed. I know that with cell phones and video games and and other sports that, that maybe have more immediate and quick action. Although there's a lot of standing around in football, by the way, if I just may throw that in there. And I would try and 
get this young man or young woman to sit down and watch a game with me. And I would try and point out some of the things that are beautiful in the game and some of the things that attracted me to this game. Not a 14-year-old, but I did a podcast recently with, with a gentleman from the UK, and he did not become a baseball fan until he was 40. And he said he went to a Yankee game about five years ago, and he sat down in his seat, and the charm of it and the beauty of it kind of overwhelmed him. So that's what I would try to do with the 14-year-old. I might buy him a hot dog, some popcorn, get him whatever he wants from the concession stand, Alex or she, so that we can make sure that he or she was very happy. But that, that's, that's a tough one because I know there are so many distractions. And I do believe that baseball is something, if you have a mom or a dad or an older brother, like you and I, I'm sure, would fit under this category. I was five years old and my brother's throwing a baseball to me. I would go, I would go back to that day in a, right now in a heartbeat and relive those moments because that fostered my love for baseball. So I think that's what I would try and do to, to that young person. Not sure it would, want, it would absolutely work, but I can be a pretty good promotional person and try and turn that person into a, an avid baseball fan. Jack, follow up to that quickly. I know in college you said you tested play-by-play, -play, but would you ever consider testing that again? I did do some play-by-play -play at Fordham. My problem was we had a guy at Fordham, and I say problem in quotes. We had a guy at Fordham named Bob Papa, who is the play-by-play -play radio voice for the Giants and has been for a long time. He also does golf. He does boxing. Mm -hmm. He was terrific at play-by-play. -play. I was okay at play-by-play. I never say no to anything. I've done hosting at Yes once in a while as a fill-in. I've done anal anal analysis, which I prefer. I've done the clubhouse reporter job, which, which is fun to do as well. If they ever, in a pinch, needed somebody to do a couple of innings of play-by-play, -play, trust me, Alex, I've watched enough baseball. I would figure it out. Jack, thanks again for taking the time to do this interview today. Where can everyone follow you on social media and especially catch your Yes, We're Here campaigns from the Yes Network? Well, I appreciate you asking that, Alex. Twitter for me is Jack Curry Yes. My Instagram is Jack Curry Yes. And obviously the Yes Network social media feeds, that's where they're sharing all of our interviews. We have one that just uh, <clears throat> went up this morning from Cecil Fielder. And I've got a couple more that are looming from Charlie Hayes and Tim Raines. And then I've, I, I've thrown a line into the water for several other former Yankees and some other bigger name celebrities who are Yankee fans. I won't say their names just yet, but we'll see if we can get some of those people into the Yes, We're Here umbrella because I do think that people have been entertained by those interviews. I work with a lot of talented people. We've generated a lot of content. I hope people are enjoying that. Oh, and Sunday night, uh, when is this airing, Alex? Um, this will, I'll, I'll put it out today. Sunday night. So what's when Sunday, May 10th, 7 p.m. on the Yes Network. Mariano Rivera, before he became the greatest closer of all time, was a starter. There was a game in 1995, July 4th. He struck out 11 White Sox in eight innings. For some reason, that footage had been difficult to acquire over the years. Yes was able to get that footage recently. So Mariano and I, doing a Zoom, just as you and I are doing right here, sat down and watched footage from that game. And we went inning by inning to talk about what he was feeling as a 25-year-old kid who was still a starter. Buck Showalter, Bernie Williams, Michael Kay, and Robin Ventura, who was a third baseman for the White Sox at the time. I also interviewed them. So if you want a cool inside baseball experience, check out Yes Tomorrow Night at 7. 
Mariano was phenomenal talking about what that moment and what that game meant to him. And I think people who are used to watching a baseball game a certain way, this will be interesting to get commentary from the players who are actually on the field. Well, Jack, thanks again for doing the interview today. I greatly appreciate it. Thanks, Alex. It's always fun to talk to you and stay safe.